Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. How's it going, everybody? We are going to be engaging in our Q&A. We have actually a lot of questions, which is great. We, we didn't know how long we would be doing this for, but, you know, people, sometimes you can go hear sermons for a year and you've always had this one question and you just, no one's ever really answered it for you. So we're going to jump in and it's a variety of topics. Um, so we're going to jump in and try to answer those questions for you. Okay, so it says, what do we think about Christian documentaries? Um, it's a, so in my mind, when I think of that, I think the person could either be referring to maybe, you know, what is like on the History Channel saying about Jesus, sort of a documentary, or sort of the uh, when somebody plays Jesus and they reenact things in the Bible. So we, we kind of left because Dave Hunt, who's going to be with the Lord, didn't like any anyone playing Jesus. He felt that it was uh, making a graven image, so to speak. Uh, but, you know, I've seen people play Jesus and I've seen people do it not so great, which, uh, you know, and we don't know. I mean, it was one guy who like laughed and smiled and hugged a lot of people. He played Jesus and I thought he was really good, you know. I would imagine that Jesus was full of joy and just loved people and I was like, oh, I, I really got a good feeling about that. So, um, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, you know people also have uh, maybe pictures on their wall and stuff. As long as we realize that even the Bible in Isaiah says he had no form or comeliness that we should desire him. So if you have a picture of Jesus and he's gorgeous, um, it probably wasn't what he looked like. <laughs> because the focus when Jesus came was not on his face and his visual appearance, it was on his message. Uh, God the Son had the human flesh that covered the most important part of him, which was the deity. So... Um, I think I think the people for for those who are um, maybe troubled by um, you know things like the chosen or um, other depictions or theatrical um, representations of of Christ um, specifically, um, I think the one thing that their criticism might be leaving out is that. Um, from what I've seen in some of the critiques of that, is that I don't think most of the people who watch those are actually worshiping the person or even the image. Um, so, so it's you know it's a little different than what God had you know um, prohibited in the scriptures about a graven image or an idol. You know there were certainly. Uh, you know the pagan nations who set up um, images of their supposed gods and would bow down and would worship them and would uh, sacrifice to them and things like that. But I think in when we you know we look at maybe um, 
modern theater or the movies, I don't think that the intent for the most part is to have someone worship that. So I think that's probably where I would say that, you know, I think they're okay if they're done well, if they're done biblically accurate, um, if it doesn't draw people away from God, if it's not a, a, a mockery, if it draws people to um, a relationship with God, um, maybe to seek the scriptures more, to desire that relationship, I think, I think they can be very uh, well done. In Acts chapter 17, verse 11, it says, These were f- more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica, and that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. If you are mature in God's word and you're searching the scriptures, when you see any of these shows or movies or even plays, you'd be able to have a gauge as to how accurate it is what they're doing. And the other one is in Philippians 1, uh, verse 18. It says, what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. And that can be a bridge to engage someone who did see it, who's not a believer, to uh, lead them to Christ. You can you know, find out what they thought of that play or movie and, and, and engages you, pointing them towards Jesus. Okay, if you uh, asked any of these questions and we're kind of answering it, but maybe not answering it the way you're asking it, please let us know, give us some feedback, and we'll try to scratch where you're itching. Okay, next question is, uh, is there a list of names of countries that retained their original names? Um, So some off the top of my head, Ethiopia is mentioned in the Bible, uh, Egypt, Syria, Actually, Iran kept its original name all the way until 1979 with the Islamic Revolution. Uh, So there's a lot of names that uh, are just, they're ancient. Damascus, the city in Syria. So God even names these cities. Uh, Even Babylon, although Iraq and some other countries kind of cover that, they still, actually if you go to Iraq, they actually have museums and they have the gates, and there's actually a lot of artifacts, archaeology, that's, that dates thousands of years ago, which is actually mind-blowing. So the, the cool thing about the scripture is it's always been accurate. Uh, when somebody goes out there with a, a pick and a, a shovel and a brush, you know, archaeologists, they always find that the Bible has always been truthful. It's always been uh, accurate. No, that's okay. I'm just checking one thing real quick with that. I think it was in the mid-1900s that Persia became Iran, right? Did you mention that? I'm sorry. So I'm just thinking of other places. Um, hmm. I think I'll pass. Actually, the most obvious one we didn't think about, Jerusalem, right? Israel. Israel, Israel, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Okay, see? Come on, somebody didn't raise their hand. You you don't mind raising your hand and uh, sharing something. Okay, so so as you can see, as we read these, they're varied, which is great. A lot of variations in these uh, questions. Uh, In Proverbs 
or is Proverbs 13.24 encouraging corporal punishment? What are your thoughts on this? I struggle with it since my parents took physical discipline to an abusive level. Aren't there better ways to discipline? Isn't it better to instill respect rather than fear? So if I can guess, it's he who spares the rod hates his son. I'm, that's the one. Uh, so I would just say this, that you know, God's ways are always best. However, people abuse his ways, right? And somebody who beats their children obviously is missing the point of what the scripture is trying to say. Um, you know, we see this even with people who start out as decent teachers or they start teaching the Bible and then they have like a Messiah complex and start telling people, you know, that they, everyone should follow them because they're the Messiah, right? So uh, that's obviously, an, I would call an aberration or dysfunction. Uh, I, my understanding too is whether it was a switch or a rod or whatever was used, it was to sort of disconnect the hand from the child and there would be sort of an intermediary uh, in that situation but I mean let's just go into uh, Proverbs where it talks about caring for the life of your animal and not to abuse your animal so uh, certainly the hu a human your child which is much more fragile uh, is is innocent and delicate uh, it's not but but I, I get where people are coming from because you know, sick people come in. And listen, as a police officer at 25 years, you know how many times I ran into somebody who thought they were Jesus Christ, literally? You know what I'm saying? So there's, there's mental illness issues, there's pride issues, there's people. Do I even want to go here? There was a, a, a movie based on a real-life event where the woman ended up getting, getting freed. Uh, it was a, a pastor's wife who he came off, this charismatic guy, in the uh, to the congregation and you know he was starting to, his name recognition and all of a sudden they found out she she killed him in in the house and she got arrested and charged but what you found out through the trial was he lit, he led a double life he literally abused his wife he did and I'm not condoning what she did but I am saying that this guy was he was supposedly a pastor and he obviously was not living up to even being a Christian let alone being a pastor so there are sadly things that can happen in public where you know we could be fooling you guys right now right then what happens when we go home what's the home life like uh, so i would say that when the bible says something and we take it all into context uh, there's not there's not abuse you know if someone's disciplining their kids and they end up with with uh, with you know a separate dislocated shoulder or uh, their hair pulled out or I mean I was reading about a pastor 10 years ago he was a famous pastor literally and uh, the, the police came and you know he he had abused his kids uh, so again there's what does the Bible say and then there's people who take it run with it their hearts are evil and they use it to even the whole thing, like we can go on all night, but actually I'm going to shift it to you guys because there's so many examples of the Bible says something that's good, but people take it and, uh, and, and abuse that, that privilege or that right. Let me jump to Vin real quick. Yeah, if you want. Um, in Hebrews 12.6 it says that the Lord disciplines everyone he loves. So everything should be done out of love not like where you're out of control, your anger. It should be a righteous anger that you're disciplining a child 
um, in the way he should go. You know, so later on, you're t- you're bringing him up, you're teaching him, um, but never to the point as Pastor Joe was saying, where it's an abusive situation. That that's terrible. So Proverbs uh, thirteen twenty four says, um, "He who spares the, his rod hates his son." But he who loves him disciplines him promptly. So when, when we went through the uh, book of Proverbs a few years ago, there's <clears throat> with, each, with each portion of Scripture, there's a, there's a way to study it correctly. To study the Proverbs, we have to realize that what the Proverbs is, it's uh, various general principles of what would be the ideal situation uh, to happen, but aren't necessarily rules and regulations to follow to the letter, or that, or that always happen to the letter. So to understand the Proverbs, I mean, even in a couple of verses before that, um, it says, he who walks with wise men will be wise. Well, maybe. I mean... Hopefully, but it doesn't always turn out that way. But the companion of fools will be destroyed. So you see general principles in the book of Proverbs. So not necessarily things to be taken, not necessarily literally, or especially not taken to extremes. So, and a lot of times in the Proverbs, we, too, we see two either similar um, thoughts or ideas that are expressed in different ways, or two opposing thoughts and ideas that are expressed. So we get to see, we get to see comparisons and con- contrasts in the book of Proverbs. So it's interesting to go through the book um, and to see how many times you'll notice something stated and then the opposite will be stated right after it. Or something stated and then it will be stated two or three times again in different ways. So it's, it's poetic. The book of Proverbs is poetic. It's, um, it's a lot of times to be expressed as a general principle of what would be the best thing. Certainly, disciplining our children when they're going down the, the wrong road is the right thing to do, but not to be taken to extremes. So, so I think we just have to see it in the context of how it was written. I think the other thing, too, you can go into Ephesians chapter 5 and 6. And it talks about the husband and the wife and the, and the children. And in Ephesians 6, 4, it says, And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. So it's so important that the husband and wife are following the Lord. They're being led by the Spirit. They're born again, you know, and they're, and they're set in the right example. And if they're following the Lord, then it's not going to come to that point where it goes back to the flesh. But that's a problem, isn't it? Um, the uh, the amount of time that we are committing our life to the Lord. Is it 24-7 or is it just Sunday? Is it just a feast day? You know, or is it every day that we just want to be following and seeking the Lord? Yes, and when... You know, so the opposite part of the spectrum is really what we see today, right? We see in... You know, you see a lot of these videos of kids... 13, 14, 15, they're out in public in these large groups, either shoplifting or beating people up. That's their, their method of fun. 
because they didn't get enough discipline. Um, you know, and then you, 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 you raise a monster. So there's, a, there's the opposite effect. Uh, I, uh, we knew a couple of family who they had kids and they were little kids and they said, we never tell our children no. I'm like, I, I kind of like, really? Why not? You know what I'm saying? So you can take now the, the coddling part to the extreme where, and that's what the Bible is talking about where you, you know, so let's go back to the other extreme, right? We're going to bounce between the extremes. The other extreme is you're abusive. You abuse the kids and they develop a resentment and an anger. You're not helping that kid at all. Just like the kid who was allowed to do whatever they wanted. Now your, your abuse, and some people do recover from this, but others don't. And they, they carry that, that anger, that hatred, that resentment. And they also don't become productive me members of society. And certainly they um, maybe will move away from the faith because it's being portrayed in an abusive fashion. So um, whoever that happened to, I'm, I'm so sorry that happened to you. Uh, but unfortunately, every day we see people that take a biblical principle and abuse it. Or, you know, the husband who reads something in Ephesians and tells his wife, well, I'm the spiritual leader and... Like she's not allowed to have any opinions and just you know be, just make my dinner or whatever. I mean that's that's uh, abuse and control. That's not what the Bible is saying. So anyone can take anything in here, and totally twist it to uh, an abusive and controlling uh, level. You know, and even the law. Like when you read, so I was doing that for 25 years. When you read the law, there's a line that that's crossed where it goes from you know, parental behavior to abuse and now the state gets involved and there's a lot of things that happen with that because it's a way to protect these children from abuse of homes. So, uh, so it's, it's a, there's a lot to it. These Q&As, you know, guys don't ask easy questions. <laughs> so. I think too, Pastor Joe, just using your expertise as a policeman, think of the things that are, they're taken away um, from the police today to actually cause more crime um, and rebellion, you know, where it's harder to control society, right? I mean, that's definitely something that's taken place in the last several years. Romans 13. Yeah, and I just think of when I first started uh, teaching in a public school to my last several years, just everything turned. Before, the teachers and the parents were very supportive of one another, and they wanted to bring that child, their child up right. But as it got later on in my career, the children and the parents were, you know, always right. The kid was always right, and that's crazy. We're not in heaven yet, so that's, that's not a true statement. Okay, this one is, again, wide variety of questions. It says, how can I use biblical truths to love and support a transgender loved one? Great question. What, the way I try to talk to people when they ask these questions is that we look at people we, the way God looks at them. They're individuals. You know, in our culture, everything's sexuality. Uh, sexuality, they're trying to now bring it into the schools and teach younger and younger kids, and they, they take away their innocence. So, um, you know, when I look at people, whatever, whatever they look like, whatever they're into, I mean, I don't discuss what I do in my bedroom, and I don't really need to hear whether it's a transgender or homosexual or even a heterosexual. There's just some things that I want to know you for more than your sexuality. So I would say that look at them with love, look at them with the way Jesus would look at them, 
and uh, don't treat them any differently than you would treat anybody else. Uh, you know, there's, I mean, then there's the whole kind of cultural aspect of, you know, even some of these gender reassignment surgeries. And I've been following uh, girls who, at a young age, changed to, you know, change whatever, double mastectomies, uh, puberty blockers, changed to supposedly boys, and then boys to girls. And, um, you know, later on they become adults and they start living their life and they vehemently regret what was done to them. There's one girl who's going on a tour. I think she's in her 20s now, and, and she said, they stole my youth from me. She goes, I can't have kids. She goes, what hospital would do that to me? Uh, I was just a kid. I was a tomboy. I didn't know any better, and they pushed me into it. Like, you know, they're doing this stuff for kids who are in some countries, and even here they're trying to push 8-year-olds, 9-year-olds. You know, let these kids grow up. Leave them alone. But to me, if somebody comes to me, and something's happened and they've gone and gotten the surgery, I still want to love them for who they are. I don't, I don't look at them any differently. Um, and I think that's what, what, what we need to do as Christians, right? No matter who is in your presence, no matter what they look like, no matter what they're into, I would just try to guide the conversation away from sexuality. This is my, my coaching and this is what I do. And, you know, hey, what, what, what hobbies do you have? Hey, where, where'd you grow up? You know, what, do you, what books do you like to read? You know, can we just get off of the sexuality subject? Um, again, treat them like, you know, you don't know what they're, you know. So that, that's what I would focus on. You know, the, tra the trap is to always go back to that subject. And then what we want to do is always steer the conversation to your, your value is not in your sexuality. Your value is that God created you unique. Right? Your fingerprint is unique. Your DNA is unique. Um, and just try to share the love of Christ with whoever it is. So I hope that's, that's helpful. Um, I, I don't know if this is a, a real person in your life uh, who's asking this or if this is just a, a hypothetical. Um, but I think from... Uh, I think a lot of times we get our we get our views of people from the media or the culture, or we only see the worst of people. Um, and that's not normally how we relate to people on a one-to-one -one type of basis. Um, I, I, I had a conversation with someone several weeks ago who may or may not have been gay. Um, it, there was maybe some physical signs of that, but we never talked about that. We talked about, like Pastor Joe said, what were, what was, what were our common interests? What, did we, what could we agree upon? How do we build a relationship outside of what the, the culture and the media might put up as the, the identity of this person? You know, um, I identified as a Christian to him, but he never told me uh, one way or the other what he identified as. We just had conversation. So I think, I think sometimes we are we we're setting ourselves up for a confrontation that may never happen, and we're running this uh, this kind of script through our minds. Well, when he says this or she says this, how do I respond? But that may never come up. So I think we we got to get out of looking at people uh, through the lens of 
the media through the through the uh, th- away from looking at people through the lens of um, headlines. Um, we, you know, we uh, what the media wants us to see, and more, just a person, another person, who desperately needs Jesus, like we all do. And how do I? How am I able to? express that to them and how am i able to build a bridge that we can talk about this the culture today is no different than the culture since the beginning of man you know everything that's going on the only thing probably today that is more advanced is medicine and operations you know to fulfill the um desires of anybody whether it be for good or for bad and in uh, John 3:17 it says for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved so we can put our name in there for Vinny did not or I'm sorry for God did not send Vinny into the world to condemn the world so it's not our job to judge it's just our job to follow Christ and to love those people to bridge that gap because the bottom line is people are going to go to either heaven or hell that's the bottom line and um, the choices they make, the people they meet along the way are either going to uh, feed the fuel of their sin or they're going to start putting water on it and showing them the love of God because everybody has a God void in their heart. And it might be uh, calloused because of their upbringing and circumstances in their life that they faced. But our God can break through that. He has broken through that. There are real living people who have come through the the worst case scenarios. And that's our supernatural loving God. And we just have to imitate him. We have to be like Christ. And the only way you can do that is submitting yourself to Christ, sitting at his feet, getting into his word and allowing his Holy Spirit to uh, work in you and then through you to touch a, uh, a dark, dark world that we live in. Um, actually, as I recall, well, this, I mean, I've had personally and, and outside of the church, I've had a lot of contact with LGBTQIA uh, community, and uh, I'm, beca- I'm very comfortable with the discussions, and almost never, believe it or not, is does the sexuality part come up, because I, I just want to tell them about Jesus. We actually had somebody uh, several years back who definitely was a transgender person, come forward to receive Jesus. And then that person moved to Philadelphia and ended up leaving. But the person received Christ. And, you know, I ministered to that person after church. And we had a nice conversation. And, um, and they, you know, they really loved the church. They felt welcome here. So just treat them like a human being, you know. And again, like uh, Pastor Paul said, the media tries to put us in these boxes, these demographics. Well, if I'm this, then I, I, I can't like that person. Who says? You know, Jesus Jesus was with everybody. There was now, Jesus' biggest problem was with the self-righteous religious people. You know, he was very comfortable. He didn't engage in the sins of the people that he was with, but he loved them. He ate at their homes. He taught them. He cared for them. He healed them. And the woman caught in adultery, uh, he saved her life. <laughs> so this is what our Lord does. Just one other thing, Pastor. Um, I don't know if you've seen the movie, uh, Jesus Revolution, but if you haven't, we urge you to go see it. It's done very well based on a true story. But, and we've talked about this uh, before. The hippies of the 60s 
are really what we're seeing today are the uh, the gays, the transgenders, the the kids that are really confused, you know. And uh, we pray that one day this church might be filled with people like that that are searching. One of the quotes in the movie was uh, by the uh, Christian hippie. He said, you know, everybody, they're all searching for God. They just don't know what to look for. So the question is, if that did happen, would you be ready? Would I be ready to minister to them, to love them with Christ's love? Or would we put up those walls and those barriers? I mean, that's a, that's a test I hope we have to uh, face one day. That would be tremendous because there's a hurting world out there of young people. Amen. You know, we, we look at the, uh, the, the suicide among all demographics, but mostly young people, overdose. Uh, it's just bad, you know, and even with all the technology and all the stimulus money and all the government controls, it's only getting worse. The answer is Christ, and God has tasked us to bring that message of real reconciliation to everyone. I think recently there was an 11-year-old who committed suicide. Think yeah. about that, 11 years old. Now, when have you heard somebody that young? You, you might have heard of late teens or 20s, but down that age. And just think what the enemy is trying to do. He's trying to infiltrate our public schools, confuse the minds out of these kindergarten and first and second graders. You're going to see younger kids committing that, you know. And we just have to just pray that the people that are in control of our society, the government, just starts taking a stand, you know. They tolerate so many things. They tolerate filth, and it's killing our kids. Okay, Psalm 34:14 says, Seek peace and pursue it. Drawing from your years as a police officer, what's the difference between seeking and pursuing, and how does that pertain to this verse? So, you know, if you look at, a lexicon, or you look at the Hebrew, you know, whichever, you know, Bible you're looking at, when you seek something, you're looking for it, right? You seek it. Uh, you're on a mission to find this thing. Pursuing, actually, I think that was one of the, um, in the men's, last men's retreat. Per, the pursue part is, okay, now that you found it, what are you going to do with it? I actually had a, uh, it's just so cool. I love when somebody says to me, hey, would you go to my school? I got this troubled kid, and you know, he's seeking or she's seeking. I just love it. I'll go anywhere. You know what I'm saying? We'll go anywhere um, to just meet people, even outside of the church, that want to know about Christ. And there was this highly intelligent young man that was debating with me. And uh, it was very funny. And I said, bro, we could do this for hours. I said, I could, I love to debate. I said, we could do this all day long. You know what I'm saying? And <laughs> I said, but when you, when you're shown the truth, you have to decide what you're going to do with it. I said, so religion and time periods and church history, he said, that's all wonderful stuff. I said, but Jesus Christ came, God the Son came down, and you know he came to die for our sins. I said, you have to make a decision what you're going to do with that. So that's a perfect segue from this verse, is this kid who he's seeking, 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 and I'm telling him, you, you found it, it's right in front of you, but now you have to pursue it. Now you have to decide whether you're done with the pursuit, with the, you know, your, 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 your mission in life and then actually go after it. So, um, Pastor Paul? Yeah, I was just looking that word up. Hold on. You want me to get, go to Pastor yeah. B first? Yeah. Here you go. So I was thinking as Pastor Joe was talking, like, uh, you know, you have treasure 
hunters or treasure seekers. And once they have a treasure map, boy, they're going to pursue it. They're going to dig for that treasure. So there's an action. Once you're, you know what you're seeking, once you have that direction, you're going to pursue with all your heart. Or you should if it's something that's a passion. So you have a great example of Jesus. He came to this earth and he gave up his life to purchase you and me. He died so that he, the greatest treasure he came after was you and me, the bride of Christ. You know, so he gives us that great example of, of seeking. And what does the scripture says? You know, if you seek me, you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. So there's an active part on our part of seeking the Lord. And we have the Holy Spirit who helps us to dig in deeper and deeper into God's word, into fellowship with one another, into prayer. It's just an awesome thing that God has set up there for us. So, um... So I was just looking up the Greek, and it, it's actually from Proverbs. What's the original? Psalm 34, but it's also uh, referenced in First Peter. So I'm looking at the Greek here, and to, to seek something would is to aim for it, to strive after it, or to crave it. So this is something very passionately desiring to have in your life. And then the pursuing is to run swiftly in order to catch something, to run after, to um, to uh, pursue. Uh, it's it's another passionate word. So I love the way that these words are used in you know passion, um, which is what it should be in our lives. It should be a a it should be a uh, a heart thing. That we're that a desire thing that we desire something so so passionately that we're just going to run after it, you know. And so that's it's peace, it's the Lord. I mean, honestly, we should be doing this with God, you know, seeking after God and f- finding Him, desiring Him passionately, and then pursuing it daily, pursuing Him. Um, I think I got the right person. So if you're familiar with Lee Strobel. Highly intelligent man, uh, Yale graduate. Uh, he was uh, in the media for many years. And he and his wife decided when we raise kids, you know, we're going to be a religious. You know, we're, gonna, we're not going to do religion. We're just going to raise them in a certain way. She finds Christ. And there's a big argument in the household. And he's livid. So he, he, his, because of his great intelligence, he goes on this quest. And he's, for two years, trying to disprove Jesus. He finds out that Jesus is real. And uh, the person who's helping him to investigate, he says, he goes, how many, how many more years are you going to do this for? You know, you found what you were looking for. Now are you going to follow it? So it's kind of one of those things. He, he sought Jesus to, to destroy him. And, and I've known many people uh, famous people who started out on that quest. So they were seeking for a different reason to disprove. And then they realize what they have. And the question is, do they just stop their pursuit? Do they stop seeking it or do they pursue it? For me personally, when, when that was me, religion and I want to find the truth. And when I found what I was looking for, I could either just stop there or I could just make it my lifelong goal and pursue. So that's, that's where I am. Does anybody have any follow-up to any of the questions we asked so far?
in, in a nutshell, it was a sister in the Lord who had a, an interaction with somebody who was gay, and the person uh, was surprised that she knew it and still loved him. I'm just kind of boiling it down. And, you know, she... And, and I think, too, it's not just as uh, on the side of the Christians to... To, to do right and to and we have a greater responsibility but I've run into this too with LGBTQIA community where they're like wow you're I mean they know how I feel they know it if they ask me a question about what the Bible says but I've broken bread I've, I've eaten with people um, you know and they're because they hear the garbage too we don't trust those Christians you know they're, they're mean spirited and it's just not true so it's just like anything else, right? With I, I'm sorry to keep picking on the media, but you know, just they they want to keep people separated because it keeps them in power. You know, same thing. You know, uh, so uh, one of the one of the my friends, he's a he's a African American pastor in Newark, and we've supported his church for years. He's actually going to come preach the end of April, and it was funny because he took some. Uh, it was a black family from Newark, and that's all they knew, right? And he took them to a church that was mostly white. And they had such a great time. And they said, wow, we, we didn't realize white people could be so nice. <laughs> but <laughs> but this, is the, this is the stupidity of our culture that keeps us divided. And, you know, you, it's just something simple. And, you know, it's funny. They, they went home like, can we, can we go back to that white church again? But when, my, when my son was little, uh, by our house, was, it was an all-black church. And uh, during the week, I took him to the church and he had uh, community events and, and stuff and he loved it they couldn't wait to see him <laughs> he was the only white kid in the whole church but um he just had such a great time and they loved him and and i just think that it's this division that caught you know people when you watch tv you you meet somebody who watches tv too much and you talk to them they they speak like they're brainwashed because they believe all the garbage they hear and see just go out and meet people talk to somebody that doesn't look like you you know you'd be surprised they'll Say hello back, or you know they'll be nice. But that's no, a great story. I appreciate that. Yeah. I just want to mention Peggy that uh, it was a, it was a beautiful story that you told us. But I think what you mentioned at the end there was very interesting too, because he, you were able to express to him that your desire would be for him to be saved, for him to know what the Word of God says and to know the love of God through the Word of God, and kind of challenged him to seek, seek the Bible, but only after he knew how much you, you, you liked him, that, he, that there was no judgment there. So, it was very, so it's, really, it's very, very important for us as Christians, if we have any desire to try to share the, the gospel with people, they have to know that we're not there to judge them, that we're not there to to you know to condemn them but we're there to to help them see you know i love what uh, paul says in ephesians speaking the truth in love you know and how do we do that you know sometimes it's with p different people it's different ways but i think that's important that you know you have to get to that point build that bridge and, um <laughs> peggy is so soft-spoken that i have to go like this <laughs> because I can't hear her, but I could just imagine her with this young man having a discussion, and she, she Peggy, she's a sister in the Lord, and she's soft-spoken, and she's loving, and she's, 
you know, non-threatening, and he, 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 he liked your personality. You got to talk louder for me, Peggy. Go ahead. You're approachable. You're approachable. Yeah. You... I think it's a Texas tea. <laughs> but um, in uh, Luke uh, chapter 15, you know, it talks uh, in verses 3 to 10, it talks about, you know, uh, the lost sheep leaving the 99 going after the one and then the uh, lost coin and uh, then the lost son, uh, which Pastor Joe just taught on the prodigal and so, you know, everybody has to come to repentance, but God uses uh, his sons and daughters to touch other lives who don't know him yet out of that love. Like how you were just sharing, Peggy, just that love, that relationship was you were building a bridge. And then, um, as Pastor Paul said, you know, you just pointed him. You wanted to show you cared enough about him that you wanted him in heaven with you. So it's just the love of God, you know, that changes people. Okay. Uh, next question is, was it possible that our Lord and Savior Jesus suffered with a broken heart? Two possible moments. One, crying over Jerusalem. Two, at Lazarus' death and on the cross. So um, what I love about our God is, what I love about Jesus is that he's fully God and fully man. So what I love about Jesus is that he's fully God and fully man and and he, I mean, you even see this in the Old Testament, right? The Lord was sad when it, the Israelites wanted a king. They didn't want God to directly rule over uh, them. And he even said to um, Samuel, make sure I got my prophets right. He said, don't feel bad, Samuel. I'm paraphrasing. Um, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. This is God speaking to the prophet. Uh, so I, I love the fact that you know, God made us, and we do have a range of emotions, but He also loves. He also, imagine Jesus fully God, but also fully human, and just seeing these things that, uh, did, did it break His heart literally? Like He had a tear in the pericardium or, you know, some type of uh, anatomy and physiolo physiological condition? I would say no, but I would say that emotionally He was troubled. John 11.35 says, it's the shortest sentence in the entire Bible. Jesus wept, right? He wept over death. He wept over what sin was doing to people. He wept over the, uh, the separation that humans had with, with Him. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit in Genesis before sin entered the world, right? Jesus was there in the garden too. Uh, so it's, it's an interesting thing, Jesus coming, right? As Pastor Vinny said, not to condemn the world but that through him, the world might be saved. So as many people, if, we, if some of these revivals talk into, turn into some big thing, and I understand they're going on in the Middle East and other areas as well, Asia, uh, Africa, that uh, maybe there'll be a, a tremendous you know, a harvest of billions of souls that come into the kingdom before the Lord returns. I'd love to see that, and personally, I want to be a part of that. You know, We were just talking about how... Uh, uh, you know, I don't know, is, is it the Jesus movie? Is it just because of some of you and your friends are coming here? But we, we had people parking on, on, on the grass on Sunday. It's like we have to, if this continues, we have to decide what to do. But uh, that's a, a good problem to have, that more people are coming and hearing the word. And they were, it just was a great message too, great portion of scripture. So 
uh, broken heart. I would say not literally, but I'd say definitely uh, he grieved. Jesus definitely grieved. And, and we see also that you can grieve the Holy Spirit, God himself. So you can do things that uh, grieve. And when we see Jesus in um, what Pastor Joe was just saying, Jesus is one with the Father. If you see Jesus, you see the Father. So we see the reflection of God the Father's heart in Jesus throughout the New Testament. So he is not a God who does not care. He is a God who cares very passionately and desperately for every single person that he's ever created. Two, two scriptures that come to mind on this question, and one is um, in Hebrews 4, speaking about Jesus as our great high priest. It says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. So this is showing the humanity of Christ, um, but also the deity of Christ being sinless, um, but also being able to um, relate. And I think uh, that's what draws people is that relatable part, the fact that he did he did weep over the death of his friend Lazarus. The fact that he did weep over the state of the, of the nation at the time, as we should weep over the state of our world. Um, and then in the garden, the night before he was uh, crucified, right? It says, um, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. Now, that's that's agony. That you know. So that's again the humanity of Christ that we see throughout the scriptures that really draws us to him and allows us to relate to him. So yes, he did. He he suffered with a broken heart. Um, he was tempted as we were, yet without sin. Um, yeah, and and. Uh, He's, he was fully human. Hematohydrosis. It's a, actually, it's a condition today. If somebody is so stressed, you know, that the capillaries can break and mix with the sweat glands and come out of your skin. So that's actually, I believe that was literal. It's a condition that has a name for it today. Uh, so question here is, how important are material things? <laughs> I think you know the answer you're going to get from the three of us. None of us have a Bentley parked outside. Uh, we don't live in mansions. We're not those type of preachers. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, I love that question because it coincides with Sunday's message. Uh, this Sunday, the message is about how <laughs> it's another parable that Jesus tells how the sons of, of this world are more shrewd with their, with their resources than the sons of light. Jesus said that before the church took off. And I've definitely seen that in my life and it's certainly been going on for 2,000 years. That's one of those prophecies that from that day forward has been fulfilled. So we're going to talk about material things. And quite frankly, you know, I think we should use those material things to win the lost. However, we can do those things. Some people do it through their businesses. Some people do it through their homes. Some people do it through their... Some people have been blessed financially. And, uh, you know, sons of light, the daughters of light, we need to use what we have to bless others and 
Yeah, that's, that's a big deal. Yeah, I think of I, I think of King Solomon when I when I uh, see this question, um, because uh, if you read through Ecclesiastes, you see a uh, you see a man who had everything. Who the Bible tells us was the not only the richest man who ever lived, but also the wisest man who ever lived, and he had everything, and he tried everything to bring himself happiness and fulfillment and contentment. Um, and he realized, uh, sadly, because he, he did go through this, uh, this, this trial, so to speak, uh, that none of it, well, not sadly, I guess uh, it opened his eyes to the fact that none of the material things really were of any worth. And so he, he realized that. And I think... Um, what it does, what it does for us is it helps us because we don't have to then, well, somebody already did it, so we don't have to try to pursue all the materialistic things in the world to try to figure out if they're going to bring us happiness because it's already, already been done and proven that it won't. And we can look in, in our culture and we can see that also, that it won't bring us, uh, the fulfillment or the happiness that we think it might. Um, and so what I think happens, uh, I think, I think mo- many people go through this. I know I did, um, for years, you know, just pursuing, um, no, not really wealth, but just material things. And then you get to a point where you just, hopefully you say, you know what, they really aren't important. It's not bringing me any fulfillment or joy and then you start to say i want to simplify <laughs> my life i want to get rid of all the material stuff and then that's a whole other challenge to try to get rid of stuff and but but to to live more simply because you realize that the 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 beauty of simplicity is really what brings but what brings contentment and happiness in, into your life so uh that's what i feel about materialistic things I think uh, Matthew six thirty one to th- uh, through thirty three says it. Therefore, do not worry, saying, "What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear?" For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. And I'm going to read the last verse too, because I think it's all tied up in materialism. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And I think the main thing, as that verse brings out, we just need to seek after the Lord all the time. You know, that doesn't mean we don't, we stop working. We still do those things that we have to do. But our primary purpose in this life is to know God and to make Him known. Uh, Sometimes the most unhappy people on the planet are the ones that are so selfish Everything they do is about them, you know. I think this, this, there's something to helping others. You know, you, there's a sense of fulfillment when you help others and bless others. Okay, this one says, how do we know we're totally ready for Jesus' return? Um, well, uh, if you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, when you die, you're going to be with Him, you know. So let me just take that, and I think the person... And this is always the challenge to answer the question the way the person is asking it. It's not always an easy thing to do. Uh, but 
I would also say that if you are a Christian, right, and you've trusted Christ as your Savior, you're good. You're guaranteed eternal life. A few years goes by, years go by, and you think to yourself, you know, well, now what, right? And, you know, you, you consider serving Him. And by serving Him, the Matthew 25 principle, oftentimes you're helping others. Lord, when did we see you hungry or tired or in prison? Or Jesus said, if you've done to these the least of these, uh, my brethren, you've done it to me. So there's a, there's a sort of a substitution principle go, that goes on there. Uh, so I would just say, you know, again, these parables, right? The expectant steward is doing what his Lord uh, expects him to do when he returns from his long trip. Uh, and then Jesus contrasts that with the servants who are getting drunk and beating each other up and doing stupid stuff. And the Lord comes back and they don't expect him because he's, the Lord will come back at a time that we do not know. So I would just say, if that's a question that you're asking yourself, what should I be doing? Well, do something. <laughs> you know, and so let me just go into real briefly these, I talked about this during communion on Sunday, is all these revivals. You know, there's even, somebody was said to me once, it was another pastor from another church, he called it the Calvary Carousel. And basically, people that they go from experience to experience like they'll come here we have messiah and the passover coming up then they'll go to calvary old bridge for some big event then they'll go to cornerstone and what they do is they just bounce around the churches uh and they're just trying to have an experience but they never actually get out and do anything you know the disciples when they were filled the divided tongues of fire came down in acts chapter 2 they peter immediately went out and preached the, an incredible sermon and they they the disciples went out and started doing things so um, you know, we have to ask ourselves at some point in our Christian walk, am I doing anything? Would the Lord have me do something? What are my spiritual gifts? Maybe if I don't know, I can ask somebody, one of my pastors, what do you think my spiritual gift is? How can I use that gift? Maybe I can sign up and volunteer somewhere, do something small, right? So there's a lot to it. Um, if you believe in Christ, you're saved, you trust Him as your Lord and Savior, it's a done deal. We don't get into heaven by our works. However, the works usually come afterwards as an evidence of our faith, you know, evidence that we really are serious about the Bible and what Jesus said and, and, and wanting to please our Lord. I think when there's circumstances in your life, uh, trials and tribulations, it shows you where you are in your walk with the Lord. Um, if you have a near-death experience and it really shook you up, you know, that is definitely an indicator if you were walking, you know, close to the Lord or not. That peace, you know, do you have a peace in the midst of trials and tribulations and things that are going on, you know? Um, Paul said that he became content in all things. And this guy was in shipwrecks. He was beaten, you know, so many times. Uh, he was left for dead. And yet he became content in all things, whether he is rich or poor, sickness or health. So throughout our walk in this life, we get an opportunity to see just where we are in our walk with the Lord by various circumstances that hit us, right? How we react to different things that take place. Uh, um, John writes... In First John five thirteen, these things I have written to you, who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. I think 
how do we know that we're ready for Jesus' return? I think what the Bible does is it gives us assurance. Um, and there's a difference between assurance and arrogance. Assurance is uh, submitting to Christ, uh, seeking Christ, like we said before, pursuing um, pursuing God in our day-to-day. Um, and then you'll, you'll know. You'll know that you have eternal life and you'll know that you're ready for His return. And so I think what we do is we just... We live our lives the way uh, Jesus um, has uh, shown us how to live. And we pursue him daily. And uh, we continue to believe. What I love about this is we don't believe just once. John says we continue to believe. So it's a daily thing. It's a growth. It's, a, it's, it's not a once and done type thing. And so I think people who might have had a, maybe an emotional response um, and walked up and received the Lord emotionally, but never followed through and had that relationship with Him, I think you could maybe question whether you're saved or not. But if you're following Him, if you, if you continue to believe on a daily basis, then I think you're ready. And I think with that too, Pastor Paul, is like just abiding in the vine. You know, He's the vine, we're the branches. So we want to have that life flow always. So by just hanging out with Jesus. Uh, that whole thing with the circumstances that I was saying, if if you blow it, that's a time you really just need to get back with one-on-one with Jesus, just talking to him and reading his word because he wants to change you. And that's the part of that abiding, just being connected to him in, in a moment-to-moment daily thing. And the more you do that, the more automatic things will happen. You won't always have to just um, open up your Bible and read because God's word is in your heart. You'll be able to just recall those things and apply them to the situations that you're in. So abiding is definitely crucial. I mean, that's our life fl- blood. Okay, this one is, will I see my mother again in heaven? Will I recognize her with her new body? Um, so, I believe that God gives people every chance at salvation to, you know, again, it's, you can either accept them or reject them if that person has received Christ. And again, we, we could go through this, this world and wonder, but we don't know. person in their last moments, like I said, my friend or my neighbor who was like a father to me when I moved into my home in Monroe, I had, I had no money, he cut my grass, he was so good to me, but he was so resistant to the things of God, and I just remember for years, I was like, oh, I don't know if he's ever going to receive Jesus, and then he died, right, he had cancer, and he died, and I was like, actually, they asked me to do part his eulogy, so I was, I was troubled, but then I found out from, thankfully, from the family, that, uh, that, that he the night before, he, literally, like he knew he was going to die that night. He, he goes, he sort of was time that you would go to bed in, in the hospital. He's in, in the bed and he asked the staff to please leave. He wanted his privacy. And they saw him in bed looking up at the ceiling and having a conversation. So I took that as that he was stubborn till the end, but the hours before he passed that he received the Lord. So it was kind of a neat thing. So I, I think that a lot of times people grieve and they, they get frightened over 
If God is a merciful God, if we love that family member, He loves them more, and I'd be, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot more people got in to the kingdom than we thought because He just gave them every chance. And like my neighbor, He took that chance. And let me tell you something, as a pastor, I've, I've been to quite a few deathbed conversions where somebody does receive Jesus. And it's an amazing thing. It's no coincidence. Like, I don't know when they're going to pass. I end up going there and talking to them and sharing the scripture they, and they receive Jesus and like a few hours later they die. How does that happen? Is that a weird coincidence or is it the mercy of God? And it's not just me. It could be them. It could be you. It could be a family member. So the first thing is if the person knows Christ, then it's, it's a good thing. Second is will we, will we recognize them? And you know, there's a book that was written by a pastor. Interestingly enough, his wife, I believe, died this year. She had cancer. And he's misses her greatly but he's so focused on what does the scripture say and he says i i know i'll see her again because she was a believer but um you know it'll just be a different relationship even jesus talked about that with uh was it the sadducees about the the woman who had a husband he died she remarried and he died and then she remarried Mm -hmm. if i was in the community i wouldn't want to marry her because i think seven of them died and she (laughs) still lived and so I had to throw that in there. So they said to Jesus, "So whose husband will be hers in, in the you know in the kingdom?" And he said, "You don't un- you don't understand how it works. They're not neither you know married or given in marriage. They're like the angels in heaven. Not that they have wings, but that they it's a, it's a different dispensation. So I believe we'll know the people. Um, and there's a lot of we can go through this. We actually had talked about this about." Uh, people who have passed on and knew each other and recognized each other. And there's several Old Testament, New Testament examples of this, but it'll be a different relationship. And people do that. They're like, I want to see my uncle and my grandparent. It's not going to be a family reunion. Your biggest joy when you go to heaven is you're going to meet Christ. And everything else is prioritized below that. It's going to be great to see the person you witness to, your, your siblings, your parents, but that's not the focus. You know, we're not going to have clans up there. It's going to be the Lord is, is primary and we will have a different relationship with each other. It'll be great. We'll, we'll know a lot of things. It'll be a comprehensive knowledge. Um, and either way, it's going to be great. Pastor Paul? Yeah, we had, we had discussed this and um, that our knowledge would be even greater of, of uh, people um, and it would be more intimate, and it wouldn't necessarily be based on the physical, but it would be based on a maybe on a spiritual relationship with that person that we would um, that we would have that would be even deeper than we ever did when when we were you know here. Um, it says in First John three two that um, we shall. We are we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we will know. But we know that when He is revealed, Jesus, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. So there's a there's a um, there's a part of us that will actually have the mind of Christ to be able to understand and recognize and have those relationships. Um, Jesus was recognized after His death by. Uh, you know, by the disciples, by many others. Um, there's, I think, Pastor Vinny might have a couple of example, other examples in the scriptures of other people who 
um, were recognizable after in, in the next life. And so I think it might not be in the same way that we, do, we know now, but it'll be even better. It'll be even closer and more intimate. And uh, we have David, King David, with his son from Bathsheba, that when his son died, David said he would go and see him again. So I believe he's going to see his son. He's going to see his uh, biological son. Um, Moses um, and Elijah at the Mount of Transfiguration. You know, the apostles recognize who they were. So you get a glimpse right there of there's there's something going. I mean, we're going to be more complete in heaven. We're frail right now. We're, you know, we're not how God made us to be. We're sinful creatures. So we're going to have a new body, the resurrected body like Jesus had. So as Pastor Paul said, we're going to have a mind just like it's not going to be as great as God's mind, but we're going to have a mind so much more intelligent than we are now. We're not going to be dumber in heaven. (laughs) We're going to know things, you know, more than we know now. And then you have uh, Abraham in Abraham's bosom with the rich man and Lazarus, Abraham. Uh, or I'm sorry, the rich man recognized Abraham and Lazarus on the other side of the Gulf. They were dead. So they knew each other and they didn't even have the resurrected bodies yet. You know, they were waiting for the crucifixion and and the resurrection. So I think the best things are yet to come and our loved ones. That's why, you know, when we know a loved one dies, right, that's born again, we're going to see them again. Of course we are. Why wouldn't we? Why would it be less in heaven or less in heaven than we have here. It doesn't make sense. Okay. So I th- so the question was um, when it, it says in the scriptures that my sheep hear my voice and uh, they know they know it's me. Um, so when Jesus comes uh, if we're not if we hadn't passed um, and he calls us, we, will we be able to recognize that voice and follow that voice? And the other part of the question was what? I hope we can hear that voice. So what I think it is, and I'm not sure if you're talking physically hearing, but it might, it, it's probably, again, a, a deeper, a deeper than the physical. Because if you think about it, Peggy, we all... I mean, we, as we get older, we start to lose a lot of our faculties. Um, we start to maybe have hearing problems or vision problems or things like that. But what about the people who, who, who never could hear? Maybe were born deaf. So I think I think in that I think what it is it's a more of a symbolic hearing, knowing, knowing that voice, uh, knowing the having that relationship than it is about a physical. Um, and I think you're not going to need your sweater, so don't worry about going back for your sweater and missing out on it because the weather's going to be perfect. Yeah, or, yeah, don't go back and try to find your, your reading glasses. You're not going to need them either. Well, Peggy, um, okay. Peggy, when you were asking that question, I was thinking of the uh, ten virgins, mm-hmm. uh, the wedding feast. Five had their oil uh, in their lamps ready to go, and the other didn't. And um, that's why it's important for us to always abide 
and just be filled with uh, God's Holy Spirit. And we're not going to miss that call. Mm. You know, I, uh, Pastor Joe and I went to visit a dear saint the other day who lost her pretty much all of her hearing. Um, and you had to get real close to her to speak to her. To, and you didn't have to yell, but you had to get real close to her ear. But yet she heard the voice of God. She uh, was speaking to one of her kids about, you know, receiving Christ. So I I don't think you and I have to worry about that. If we're born-again believers, we're sealed with God's Holy Spirit. And we're not going to miss out on anything. We don't have to depend on ourselves for that. You just have to depend on Jesus. And that's that's a cool person to depend on. So if there's somebody out in the audience or if there's somebody on uh, Internet that has been uh, tuning in and listening and God is moving on their heart, uh, what would you say to them, Pastor Joe, tonight if they've never received Jesus as their Savior? Well, John 3.17 that you quoted, John 3.16, For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever would believe on Him would not perish but have everlasting life. You would be that whosoever. Because anybody could be the whosoever. So I would just, uh, and again, we, we like to guide people. It's every time I do this on a Sunday, I say it a little bit different, but it doesn't matter. It's because it's, it's the, really the position of your heart, right? More than the words. So if you believe these words and uh, you trust in Christ, then you'll be saved. So you can just repeat after me, dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner in need of a savior. I know that you died on the cross for my sins and that you promised me eternal life if I will trust in you and your sacrifice for me. I look forward to you filling me with your Holy Spirit. I look forward to walking with you all the days of this life and into eternity. Amen. It's that simple. If you prayed that prayer, um, Send us a contact at cccrossfields.org. Uh, send us a, or call us up, uh, 732-521-0382. We'll love to happy, we'll be happy to send you a Bible and materials for free. We'll take care of shipping and everything because something that's spiritual shouldn't have a price tag on it. So God bless you and have a great night. Amen. Every generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfields. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10:30 a.m. On Sundays we have children's church for all ages, in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to www.cccrossfields.org where you can also watch or listen to previous messages. If you have any questions or have a prayer request, please email us at contact at cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless.